We want to move on just a little bit. And of course, my big idea uh, that we're exploring is that if we serve and know and love a creator God, and if he made us to be in his image, the big idea for us this morning is that therefore that we are creative. And that creativity should start to shine in our engineering jobs, in our nursing jobs, in our teaching jobs, in our church jobs, wherever we find ourselves in the world. Is a, that, that's the big idea, that we take that which is the creator's creativity and we give it to the world. And I don't know about you, but when creativity hits me, it comes like a wave. And I want you to be prepared for that wave. It seems to come from nowhere, where suddenly I know my mind is being flooded with ideas. It's like the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And it comes for in a wave with me, and maybe that's what happens to you, but it feels like ideas brighten inside my mind or ideas start to gleam and shine inside my mind and suddenly God really has my attention. I was talking to some of the guys last night from Philippians 4 where it talks about don't be anxious and the idea that just blew my mind last night was not to do with anxiety. It was this little phrase before the anxiety bit which says God is near. I just could not lay it down. God is near. God is near. God is near. And suddenly something with a revelatory impact hits us on the head or is downloaded into our mind or is released from our heart. And we know that we are being hit by creativity. Some of you know the book by Rick Warren, The Purpose Driven Life. And he, his testimony is that he would get up every morning at five or six o'clock and he would go to his desk and he would sit in front of his desk and he would pray. And, and his story, which I heard when I was in HTB, uh, he said he had nothing at all to say and he had really not an awful lot to write and the Spirit of God would come upon him and he would, he would be like this till lunchtime, like six hours every day. And of course that book became... I think the number one bestseller when it was published and maybe even outsold the Bible, maybe, I think is, is some of the statistics on that book. And I want you in your uh, understanding, there are books to be written and stories to be told and an avalanche of important testimonies that need to be released. And if we could position ourselves, Rick Warren chose to position himself in the morning in front of his laptop. But in our work or in our ministry, how can we position ourselves? There's something about receiving something this morning in order that we would receive the wave of creativity as it hits us and then the release of that into the world and into our ministries. Exodus chapter 2 uh, sorry, Exodus chapter 32 and verse 11. This is the story that you know so well that when God was angry with his people and wanted to destroy them. And Moses entreated the Lord to change his mind. And in verse 14, so the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. 
Verse 15, and Moses went down from the mountain with the two tablets. And I want to just pause there. It, it was an, I, I want to talk about the tablets in a minute, but it was amazing for me that the entreaty from Moses, the prayer from Moses, actually caused God. God wanted to judge his people because of them going so far astray from him. And Moses entreated and asked the Lord to take mercy on his people. And then it says the word God changed his mind. I think that's amazing. And I just wanted to put that in as a little plop for someone. Maybe you're struggling with something and our entreaty might be that God would change his mind on that matter. And then, of course, we see that all Moses had to do in that portion of scripture was receive the tablets. And then God did the creative thing of writing his ways and his laws onto the tablets. And then it says in the Bible, and Moses carried the tablets down the mountain. And I want us just to pause for a moment. And into your mind's eye, he received something and then he carried something down the mountain. He went up the mountain. Some of you may feel inspired to go up a mountain of prayer. He received something from the Lord and he carried it down the mountain. And I wanted to prophesy to some of you this morning that God would allow you to carry something that is all of God and none of you. Moses carried a work down the mountain that was all of God and none of him. God did all the work and he hewed it out of stone. And then all Moses had to do was carry that which God had done. And I prophesy to you in this coming year that some of you from your mountaintop experiences will carry down the mountain back here on earth something that is all of God and none of you. And I want you to note that word, all of God. Think of the privilege of us being allowed to carry something that's all of God and none of you. And that means God makes it happen and you won't see it coming. In the Bible it says there will be no wind and no rain and yet these trenches that you have dug will be full of water. That's the miracle. That's the miracle that in spite of there being no wind, in spite of there being no rain, in spite of there being no blessing, in spite of there being a barrenness, in spite of the Moabites that were surrounding them, in spite of the impossible situation that seemed to be the situation that they were living through, you won't see it coming. There will be no wind, there will be no rain, but these ditches, these holes, these wells that you are digging will be full of rain. And I thought, what an amazing word as we receive that which the Lord has prepared for us. Story is an interesting story. Some of you will know that Moses had entreated God not to be angry at his people. And then Moses came down the mountain carrying that which God had done for him. And Moses then saw the people who at that time were going astray and they were dancing and they were doing all the fatted calf and all that stuff. And he got so angry that he threw down that which God had given him. And I thought, Moses, Moses, Moses. You see, as a counselor, I sometimes imagine some of these people coming to my office for counselling. And I might have been sitting as his counselor saying, Moses, could you just help me to understand something here? 
you threw down in anger that which the Lord wanted you to carry. And this is after he had entreated God not to be angry. He threw down in anger. And I felt I was to say as a wee warning, don't throw down. He threw down something because of people. And because of people, he got angry. And because of people, he threw it down. And the wee warning is, don't throw down something that God is allowing you to carry because of people. Because if you do that, you'll lose the creative work of the Lord. And the question that I have for this session is, how then can we begin to unleash your creativity? And at the end of this session, we hope to be able to start using declarations and activations as part of that. But the first thing that I want to offer you is that the first thing we do is that you break the rules. And I don't want to be misquoted on this. I'm not talking about ethical rules and, and naughty stuff. I'm not talking that sort of stuff. But what I started to think is, can we for a moment remove some of the barriers that tradition have caused in our hearts? Can we move, remove some of the barriers that stop us going beyond? Can we move and rub out from our minds some of the words that have been spoken into our hearts? I remember when I first was called to work for the Church of Scotland, and I remember <clears throat> speaking at, they have a big thing called the General Assembly, and all the ministers come, and it's a big thing, and usually Princess Anne or the Queen or somebody like that opens it. And, I, and so I gave the vision that I would plant 10 counselling, Christian counselling services in Scotland, and I do that, you know, in a space of so many years. And there were three old Church of Scotland ministers who sat at the front. Every time I had to speak at a big meeting, these three guys sat at the front, and they would be shouting out, you can't do that. You can't, you can't, you can't. It was all different tones. You can't, you can't, you can't plant Christian. Oh, this is while I'm trying to speak and give a vision. And every time they showed up at the meeting, I thought, oh, these guys are doing my head in. And uh, I know we're supposed to be kind and turn the other cheek and forgive them, but I just thought, oh, there's the three stooges, they're here again. Oh. <laughs> and one day, I, their disapproval and their negative words and everything about them was just so preventing me in my mind to from going forward. They, they held very important positions. And finally, I bowed my knees and I said, Lord, I just cannot bear these guys. Please, please do something that would help me to be nice to them. And I remember one night I had a dream. And in the dream, God took me to heaven. And as I arrived in heaven, there was a beautiful big statue that had a big cover over it. And just as I arrived there, God went, ta-ra! Do you want to see this lovely sculpture? And I said, yes. And here was a beautiful, beautiful person. And in the dream, God said to me, does this sculpture remind you of anyone? And I looked around this beautiful sculpture and I thought, oh, it's a little bit like me. It could be me in another world. Maybe it's me. I wish it was me. I hope it was me. And God said, this is who you're becoming. 
as I transform you and as I fill you and as I make you into the image and likeness of my son. And then God said to me, would you like to meet the craftsman who made this beautiful sculpture? And I said, oh, yes. So in the dream, I'm going, yes, yes. And in the dream, God introduced me to my three stooges, my, my worst critics, those who disapproved the most of me, those who would try everything they could to prevent me from going forward. And so in the dream, I then saw myself in the dream as God introduced me to the three stooges. In the dream, I saw myself going, hello, it's so nice to see you. Hello, hello, hello. How lovely to see you. And then the next thing, of course, I wakened up and realized I did have to go to a big meeting. And I got into this big meeting, and sure enough, at real time, here were my three stooges. And I said, oh, hello, David. It's so nice to see you. Break the rules. Because there's something that disapproval does to us. There's something that the expectations of others does to us. There's something about the limitations of others' negative comments. When we get a picture or a dream or a vision or a hope and people say, you can't do that, or you, or you can't do that, I want you to break the rules in order to say something like, well, in order for me to fulfill what God has given me, I need to do what I have in my mind. You see, they, they just kept saying, you can't do that. And then I said to them, well, I didn't know I couldn't do that. I didn't know I couldn't do it. I only know what I can do. And I didn't know I couldn't do it. And God, of course, allowed it to happen. So number one, I want you to break the rules of how other people try to define you and how you have perhaps defined yourself. I want you to remember you're a child of God. That's who you are. That song just now, that's, it's so powerful and it's so prophetic. I'm a child of God. And if he allows me to see it and hope for it and pray for it and believe in it, I can do that. And it might mean breaking the rules. The second way to release your creativity is to change your perceptions and change your perspective. In that diagram on the screen, I have a picture. This is a, a, a very sort of famous experiment when Vicky and I are teaching people about perceptions and counselling and communication. And first of all, we ask our students, when I show you that picture, what do you see? And some people right away, they say to me, oh, I see an old woman in that picture. I see the head of an old woman. And then we say to them, I'd like you to stare at that picture for a little while. And then, of course, what, I don't know if I've got a light in this, have I? No. And then, of course, what they see uh, more on this side is the head of a young woman. First of all, wave to me if you see the head of an old woman. Wave to me if you've got that one. Yeah, most of you've got that one. And I looked to where the old woman's eyelash and the black hair is. And wave to me if you now see a young woman. Yes, good. And then sometimes when we stare, and when we stare, 
And when we stare again, sometimes some people have a change of perception. The first moment they see the old woman, second moment all they can see is the young woman. And we stare and we stare and we stare and then we see both. And you see there's something about us that we have to learn to change our perception. I could ask you again, what do you see from that picture? And some people say, I see two faces looking at one another, two black colored heads looking at one another. But other people might see, I see a vase against, I see a white vase against a black background. And then as we stare and we stare and we stare, we begin to see both. And here's my question. There's something, if we have to move in creativity and an anointing of the awakened mind, there's something has to happen inside that which we stare at with the eye of our heart until we actually allow God to change what we see. And as a little piece of homework, and if you journal and if you're a reflective person, I want you to go home and when you look at your child, ask yourself, what do I see for him? What do I see for her? So I've got, I've got two wee grandchildren, three wee grandchildren, a wee girl and two wee boys. And sometimes I think the wee boys are a bit naughty and they do their wee temper tantrums and they rub spaghetti all over their hair. And my first perception might be, oh my goodness, these boys are such little rascals. That's the only way to describe them. I see two little rascals. And then I stare again. And then I stare again. And I stare again. And one of them's called Hamish, and his name means strong. And he, he, I stare again. I see a young leader who is going to be strong. And then I look at little Henry and his name means leader and I stare again and I look again and I look at that little boy and I see an amazing, compassionate and gentle leader. And then I see baby Hannah who's one and her name is Grace and I see a beautiful, grace-filled woman of God. I want you to go home and I want you to stare at your children and stare at your spouses and stare at your church and stare at your pastors. What do you see when you look at the pastors that God has given you? And sometimes you see a messy spaghetti bolognese picture. And other times you begin to see, I see a teacher. I see an evangelist. I see a prophet. I see someone who's a pastor. I see a father. And we start to speak of things that are not as though they were. And we start to call out We change our perspective. We see something that's so creative. When I ask you to go walking through your town, what do you see? When I ask you to look at the buildings that you're going to have to move into when growth comes, what do you see? Oh, I see a horrible supermarket. I see a horrible scabby old office. I see a horrible dark gloomy room. Look again and look again and look again. Until God then opens the eye of your heart and you begin to see differently, hopefully, with his heart and his mind helping you. (laughs) What do you see when you look at one another? 
When people come out for prayer, what do you see when the band leads us in worship? What heavenly-minded thing. As we set our mind on things that are above, what creatively-minded thing. What gifting can you begin to imagine coming forth? What grace in the invisible world do you begin to see on something or someone? And then we start to call that person into becoming the person that the creative imagination begins to see. The third thing to move in uh, our creative mind is to clear the clutter. And I don't need to say much about this. You all get this. Facebook and texts and emails and television and soaps and Netflix and I don't know. There'll be stuff that clutters you. I read somewhere, and I can't remember where, that most children now are spending between three and five hours every day on some electronic device or another. And of course, if we want to set our minds on things above, we need to learn to clear the clutter. And then the fourth thing, and this is quite a big thing, remove budgetary constraints. You see, our opening text in Ephesians 3 in the message was he can do more than you can think or even imagine in your wildest dreams. So we, we know that that is truth. And we know that is truth as a man thinketh so he is. We know that is truth. And so we begin to look at people and then one, we, the first time we look at someone, we see an old woman. Then we see the possibility of another side of the person as a young woman. And then we look at buildings and we see, first of all, a building that might cost one million or two million <clears throat> or three million. And something in us, which is a, a, it's a good thing and a bad thing, but it makes us draw back because we think, we, we immediately say we could never ever release one million or two million or three million or four million to this thing. And so we draw back and we allow ourselves to be restrained by the budget. But something has to happen in our minds. And it's almost like taking our minds out of prison. It's almost re like releasing our minds from the captivity of common sense. Now, I don't want you to be not sensible, and I do want you to be wise. So I'm not just saying go out and buy a five million pound building. But there is something that just as we're about to go for the five million pound building, a budgetary, budgetary restraint hits us and we draw back. And there's many times that in my own life, 10 buildings later and so on and so forth, I've had to realize that about myself. Uh, Vicky and I, I was called to be on the staff team of a church in Belerno, just outside Edinburgh. And I looked all around Belerno as to where I could plant a wellness center. And I looked and I looked and I stared, and I walked, and I prayed, and I couldn't see anything. And I invited Vicky to come on a prayer walk around Belerno with me. And we looked, and we looked, and we stared, and we stared. 
and prayed and prayed and prayed in tongues. And suddenly an idea came to me. Now, this is a crazy idea that's beyond the budget. I realized for me to get the building I thought I wanted, I'd need to release a bigger and much more sophisticated building. There were people and there were stuff happening in a very, very nice house in a field that was full of horses, and that was the building I wanted. But they were using it. And I realized, and the people who were using it were part of my church, and it was a ministry using this building. And I realized if I could release an even bigger and better building, that I could say this would far more meet your needs than this little house on the prairie with the horses. And so I and Vicky, we marched around, and I don't know if you remember that, this building was a big sort of factory place and it had nothing. And in Jesus' name, I saw it as a big office thing and a training thing and a, a this and a that. We released it in Jesus' name and then we walked back to where the little house in the prairie was with the horses and we released it in Jesus' name. But suddenly I realized I would need double the money for this to make this possible. And I just lost the budgetary restraint and I got a release. There was a release of finances for that building. And then everything we needed to modernize and make this wellness center bespoke and modern and appropriate and fit for use came in from God. And I want you to start seeing, it's this phrase that keeps coming to me as I think, see things, see people See situations, see problems with the eye of your heart. And then the last little bit here, and this is what we want to do uh, as we move towards our ending. Storm the gates. And, and I thought it was quite appropriate that Alan started with Ephesians 3 and verse 8, where it talks about the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to principalities and powers in heavenly places. That was such an appropriate reading. Alan didn't know what I wanted to speak about. But of course, the more we move in our creative expression of God and taking back, uh, I suppose, what belongs to us, the more the gates of hell and the more the enemy starts to encroach upon us. And when you think about the manifold wisdom of God, I would really like you to imagine every time we're in worship, like this morning when David uh, and his friend, what's it, Amber led us. You see, I, I want the thing that I imagine in those moments of worship, what I imagine is that you are all like multi um, jeweled mirrors. So it's like this stone of our engagement rings that have all been. In whatever angle it catches the light and it's sort of all beautiful. And I want you to imagine every believer as a mirror, but all beautifully carved. And you catch the light and the glory of God. When we're in those high places of worship and praise, the light of Christ starts to be released. And then as we move and worship and move our arms and, and start to prophesy and sing, at that moment... The enemy, we're storming the gates of hell. The enemy is, is seeing the manifold wisdom. It takes billions of us 
billions of little mirrors reflecting the image of God, billions all around the world. But Vicky and I have been to China and South America and Asia and Malaysia, billions of different believers worshipping their God, reflecting the manifold wisdom of God as they worship. And then we start to storm in that place of high praise and worship. We start to storm the gates and we throw everything that we can at the gates of hell that are coming in to narrow down and push us out and remove us from the dream and the hope that we carry. And that's why my little um, video this morning, It's Better to Travel Together, what I liked about that, they all got themselves together and then went, and they shot down the enemy. And in your prayer meetings, what I'm asking for is that you take a moment for what I call a wisdom consult. And the wisdom consult is something like, have any of you got any ideas for what the building in Portadown might look like? And... One might say, well, I was hoping for this. And the worship team might say, well, I was hoping there'd be this. And the counselling team, of course, they'll say, well, I was hoping for the upstairs. And I was hoping for this. And I was hoping for that. And suddenly the hopes and the starings and the seeings of others in a wisdom consult start to come into our vision. And we start to storm the gates of hell showing forth the manifold wisdom of God. It's amazing. Because as you throw all that you are and all that you have and your wisdom and your revelation and your vision, the gates of hell will be pushed back and things start to open up. And then our last thought before I'm going to make you do a little bit of uh, prophetic uh, proclamation. It's something about understanding that we have the mind of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse, I think I might read from verse 9. This is so amazing. This for you today in our creative imaginings. Um, it starts in verse 9. But as it is written, things which eye has not seen ear has not heard and which have not entered this heart of the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him and for us God revealed them through the spirit for the spirit searches all things even the depths of God for who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. And then jumping down to the last verse, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have <clears throat> the mind of Christ. Now this is so phenomenal. And if I say of all the things, uh, we, can, we can fill these days with many words. But if I say, Forget a lot of the words I've said and just start to whisper, we have the mind of Christ. This is, this is transformational. This is the key. <clears throat> this is the key to our imagination. This is the key to the manifold wisdom. This is the key to unleashing the creativity. You and I have the mind of Christ. 
And the phenomenal thing that's happening in neuroscience just now, <clears throat> I don't want to take too much time on this. Vicky and I have to study neuroscience for, uh, in order to, to, to look at, um, help our Christian counselors understand what's happening in the mind. But there's a book called Interpersonal Neurobiology. I don't suggest you read it. It's really by Dr. Dan Segal. I, I don't read it. <laughs> Just trust me. And Dr. Dan Segal, when he started to take MRIs of the brain, he talks about neurons that fire together wire together. That's a very famous phrase. Our neural pathways in our brain, uh, if they fire together, they wire together. And what that means, if Vicky and I, <clears throat> as uh, colleagues, are collaborating on how we might write a course or how we might um, do the next thing we have to do or how we might get to Cambodia or what we have to do when we get to Cambodia, if the neuroscientists were giving us an MRI, what happens is, as I say an idea, her brain lights up in a certain neural pathway, and then she says an idea back to me, and my brain lights up in the same neural pathway, in the same part of my brain. Then I say an idea, and back and forward and back and forward, neurons that fire together, wire together. And then, of course, we want you to look at your relationship with the Lord. <clears throat> Neurons that wire <clears throat> together, fire together. And what I want you to imagine is how is God going to reveal his mind to us? The scientists have already got it. That we are in relationship with God. That we are continually in an internal dialogue with God the Father. That we are giving him our thoughts and he is giving us his thoughts and his thoughts are higher. And so something has to happen in my mind to understand the higher ways and the higher thoughts. Uh, something has to be illuminated in my little mind in order that those ideas that he starts to fire at me, we wire together because in that moment we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that amazing? And we can see this. I'll give you some scriptural examples, and then we're going to start praying and doing some activations. 1 Kings 3, verse 5. <clears throat> and that portion of scripture, Solomon has a radical dream. And in the dream, God comes to him and says, ask what you wish me to give you. And in verse 9, Give thy servant an understanding heart to judge the people and to, to discern good and evil. Now what he's asking for, it's a Hebrew word called shamar. And it's likened to our word for wisdom and discernment. What he is actually asking for in that prayer is, Lord, I want your brain. I want your thoughts. I want to make wise decisions creative decisions, creative ways of solving problems. And I'd really ask that I would have the mind of Christ. That's what the word is actually meaning there, and it's amazing. Daniel 1, verse 17. Uh, they, the boys there were given wisdom and knowledge. The Hebrew word means 
That wisdom and knowledge, it means supernaturally infused with knowledge. The Hebrew word is marda. It means divine intelligence and divine consciousness. It's amazing. I see part of the awakening of the creative imagination is for us, when God comes to us in a dream and says, well, ask, ask of me. Just imagine there's God coming to you in a dream right now. Ask, just ask of me, what is it you want? And Solomon's saying, I want your brain. I want your mind. I want your wisdom. I want your judgments. This is amazing. And then supernaturally, we see the demonstration on people like Daniel and Joseph and Solomon. We see the demonstration of the mind of Christ. But the New Testament says, we have the mind of Christ. No eye has seen it. No ear has heard it. None of us have understood yet all that God has called us to. But here is the big take home. We have the mind of Christ. And we want God to release that to us now. Just lay your hand on your chest. And Father God, Lord, our eyes haven't seen it yet. And our ears maybe haven't heard all that needs to enter into the heart of man. And all that you've prepared for those who love you. But Father God, we humbly ask even as Solomon and Daniel and Joseph and others who are modeling this for us, we ask humbly before you this morning, Father God, that we would have a supernatural wisdom, that we would have a supernatural knowledge, that we would have supernatural discernment. And I humbly ask in Jesus' name that you would open our eyes to see that you would cause us to break the rules that have formed us until now, that you would cause us to storm the gates and clear the clutter. And Father God, you'd change our perceptions today from an earthly perception to a heavenly perception. As we stare and stare and stare and look at those we love and look at the people in our church and look at the world, and look at our buildings, and look at our budgetary restrictions. Father God, in Jesus' name, cause us to know your perception, your discernment, and your wisdom on the matters that are concerning us here on earth, that we would be able to speak, even as Solomon spoke to those two mothers. We would be able to see, would be able to understand, and release your wisdom here on earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. And what we're believing for in this moment is that God is actually going to cause an activation from heaven. <laughs> I want to just leave space for the supernatural in this moment. And that in the moments of silence that we have, that God would draw your attention, draw your mind towards, draw your heart towards something or someone 
and that he would answer the prayer we've just made, that he'd show you his thoughts, his perception, his wisdom. So I want to leave space for the supernatural, and then I'll invite Alan to come up and help us with some activations. Let's just take a moment. Make your own quiet prayers. Whisper your prayers. We're talking about transformational creativity. Start to silently pray into what we've been teaching here this morning.